I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Happy 4th of July. Today we talk about Twitter lecture porn, and our nation's birthday. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. So today we are going to discuss what everyone has been talking about the last few days, which is our president's latest exploits on Twitter, as well as some other news around the nation and our nation's birthday, as well as in the heels, what we always talk about, which is what's on our mind outside of politics. And before we get started, we are still going with our membership drive. We're still trying to meet that $3,000 goal. So if you um, would like to support Pantsuit Politics, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Pantsuit Politics and open up this entire secret garden of extra content, including bonus episodes, uh, free t-shirts. We have a midweek emails in which Beth and I send out long reads and other articles we're interested in, podcasts we're listening to. So go check out patreon.com forward slash Pantsuit Politics and help us support the show. I'm just going to start by quoting our president directly. I heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of me. Don't watch anymore. Then how come low IQ crazy Mika, along with Psycho Joe, came to Mar-a-Lago three nights in a row around New Year's Eve and insisted on joining me? She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. 
This is the sound I made when I read that. <gasps> I, li- I audibly gasped. And let and we can't really quote directly the next tweet, which was a video from when Donald Trump was on WrestleMania in which someone had superimposed CNN's face over, I believe it was Vince, um, what's his name, who runs WrestleMania. And so it looked like he was body slamming a person with CNN's logo as a face. This was from a subreddit alt-right person who created it and has also created and said all many atrocious things and i think the hashtags were like fake news failing news i don't know he's really been at it let's just put it that way it sort of um makes me wonder if there's not enough work to do in the white house Mm. like are people doing sudoku all day i don't under i don't understand where where the time comes to do this I think the most upsetting thing to me is, you know, just that this is how he chooses to use his time. Now, I'm not a journalist, and I understand why they are very upset by sort of the incitement to violence that particularly the second post implies. Um, I think that they are right to be worried about that. You know, journalists, people who work at CNN are Americans. That's just the reality. They are citizens. He represents them. And the work of the press is important. And so I understand why they feel threatened. But just as like a not a person in the media, it just seems like, you know, we have Americans all over this country dying of opiate addiction. We have a crazy person in North Korea threatening our security. We have an economy that's ever changing and leaving greater numbers of Americans behind. We have a health care crisis and a Congress that seems incapable of solving it. Why are you fighting with CNN and Mika Brzezinski? Like, this does not seem like a wide use, wise use of your time. And what really bothers me is their sort of defense of like, oh, well, it does no good for me to morally judge the president and to like all the like Republicans that go on the Sunday morning shows and sort of get like get these things read to them and they have to respond. And I understand that's a, be- a tough position to be in, but like, surely they understand the hypocrisy of saying like, there's no use judging his tweets when this is the party that wanted to judge Bill Clinton's extramarital affairs. So, like, no, it, it it is worth it to judge the moral character of our presidents. So let's do that, everybody. At some point, you just have to flush the idea that you're going to work well with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're beyond that point. I get the instinct to say he's the president i have to deal with him i can't just be trashing him all the time mm-hmm. but i just think we're past that he is not helpful on health care no there there's not an you're issue not gonna lose on anything. which he's been helpful right well you're going to well, lose the people who are with him no matter what right but the truth is we are just you're just going to have to lose those people if you want to do anything else that you have said your entire career matters to you well and i'm also frustrated with you know my several of my family members who are Trump supporters and several of our listeners who are Trump supporters have sort of done this. They just need to take away Twitter. He just needs to get stopped Twitter. Now I'm encouraged by that at some point because at least it is criticism of him, but like, is the problem that he said this on Twitter or is it the problem that he thinks this way at all? Because I don't think the problem here is just that he expresses these things on Twitter. I would be just as disturbed if he was just railing at his chief of staff about Mika Brzezinski's facelift and none of us knew about it. Like, 
that's still problematic. The attitude, the outlook, the disdain for women, the readiness to assault their looks and their bodies, the desire to just, you know, have conflict with the media when there is a finite amount of time and resources and attention to give to a big country with big problems. You know, this is the issue. This is what bothers me. And, you know, I think that one of our listeners wrote in and said, I get this in my red state a lot where people say, what has he done that's affected you directly? And what should I say to that? And this is sort of speaks to my answer to that, which is politics is not just transactional. You know, it's more than just does this increase or decrease my taxes? Does this, you know, get the bridge built or doesn't get the bridge built or whatever it is? You know, this his attitude and his bullying behavior and his just complete inability to act like an adult affects everybody, whether it because it affects our sort of moral culture and our societal outlook and our just, it, you know, he should be raising us all up, not dragging us all down in the mud. And that does affect us and it does affect our kids. And when the press secretary says, you got to fight fire with fire, like, no, I don't want to teach my kids that. I don't want to teach my kids that the way you respond to things is to just go harder. The only way you lose a fight is by backing down. I don't want to teach my kids that. So, you know, that's it's so much bigger than just the transactional view. To me, the essence of leadership is that you are constantly creating more leaders. If you aren't, you're doing one of two things. You're managing, which has a place but is not leadership, or you're engaged in a vanity exercise. And that's where the president is, because this idea of the counterpunch from the president of the United States is the most garbage statement I've ever heard. And you're right. It absolutely impacts what people throughout the country think leadership looks like. I don't want to create a generation of counterpunchers. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it is fraught with difficulty. I've been asking myself this question a lot. Past presidents have also been misogynist. Is it better to know or not know? And I think as much as I hate what we're going through right now, I sort of look at the president's timeline and thank God for Twitter because we do have this window into what's happening and we do see how other people respond to it. And maybe it will be a big wake up call to the country that we are not living in a post-feminist era Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. And maybe we can all stop with this moral licensure where everyone feels like we've come so far so we should shut up about it. We're clearly not there. And, and hopefully we can take, I'm always looking for something, you know, to take from the Trump era that will serve us in the long run. Well, and here's my nuanced take about this with regards to sort of the bigger picture about how he behaves, why it appeals, and if there's any positive takeaways. So also, I guess it was two weeks ago, or maybe last week, a huge article about... Obama's handling of the Russian interference in our election was in the Washington Post. Did you read the piece, Beth? Yes. And I couldn't help but think that, see that it's such a, such a contrast between the way Trump handles things and the way Obama handles things. And I think you could argue that James Comey and Barack Obama were almost an, not an overcorrection, but 
you know, sort of the other end of the spectrum of, of Donald Trump, right? They were so concerned with the institutions. They were so concerned with careful decision-making and careful reactions. And, you know, what's the impact of this? That that the, the problem was when you emphasize so much the, the sort of long-term impact of what you're going to do, that you're very dependent on your long-term analysis of what's going to happen. And that was the sort of the fundamental flaw, I think, with Barack Obama's decision-making with regards to Russia's interference in the election and James Comey's um, decision-making with regards to the Hillary Clinton um, email, press conferences, et cetera, which is they were over-dependent on what they thought was going to happen, which was there was no way Donald Trump was going to win. And so if I'm, if I'm, if I'm stretching to find the upshot is, look, sometimes maybe we do need a little more what matters right now what's the impact right now because no matter how much i emphasize the impact 20 years down the road i 20 years down the the road i could be wrong you know i could just be wrong and so i see those two ways so differently but i got to say you know now monday morning quarterbacking james comey and barack obama i see like damn maybe a little more trumpism a little more like street fight <laughs> could have been helpful it's a spectrum for sure i mean i i just did this certification to read the results of a behavioral assessment tool that i'm really excited about called the divine inventory and one of the things that i love about this tool is that it recognizes with every behavior it's not a negative or a positive it's an intensity level of that behavior that aligns with the need of the moment so you can see some analysis paralysis happening in the Obama administration on a number of topics. Mm-hmm. And there'll be long-term consequences for that. But you can see the utter lack of analysis happening in the Trump yep. administration. And I think that there will be even farther reaching comp- uh, you know, consequences of that. And I don't understand the comparisons. I'm always very sensitive to people kind of throwing up false equivalency anytime you try to highlight that there are issues that are common to all of us. I don't think there is any universe in which the inaction or um, it's not even inaction, the cautiousness with which the Obama administration approached the election uh, mirrors what's happening in the Trump administration right now. The utter lack of staffing of the executive mm-hmm. branch. The executive order on a travel restriction that was supposed to solve a 90-day emergency that is now going to be sucking up our court system for the next couple of years. There are so many things that are just beyond the pale with the Trump administration. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm finished with there were problems with Obama, too. There were, sure. But that is like a different universe of problems. It really is. My, have we switched roles here? <laughs> so while we're going down this, I criticize my side. I wanted to share an article called Lecture Porn, The Vulgar Art of Liberal Narcissism, which I loved. It's a little incendiary. I shared it on social media and a lot of y'all were like, that, goes, that guy's kind of being harsh. He's totally being harsh. But it really appealed to me. And it was in... Steep contrast, I think, to an article I that was being shared a lot among my liberal friends called I Don't Know How to Make You Care About People on HuffPost that I found so offensive. I was also on the other side of that one. 
And truly, I think more than anything, it's like fitting in so well with our book club book that I just finished, The Righteous Mind, How Good People Are Divided by Religion and Politics. And it just speaks to this idea. Like my favorite phrase in the whole lecture porn article was the fetishization of rationalization, which is this idea that liberals are the only reasonable ones. We're the only empathetic ones. And if we just, we're just going to lay it out, Aaron Sorkin style, why you people are so not, not just mean, but dumb. And I'm done. I don't want to do that anymore. I find it stupid and pointless and inefficient. And I'm just done. And I cannot recommend highly enough the righteous mind because he talks about how basically there are six moral foundations and liberals mainly appeal to two, fairness and care, but that there's all these other moral emotions that people react to loyalty, respect for authority, sacredness, um, liberty, and that we just ignore those. And then we act like people are, you know, don't care about other people, but that's not really the, the reality. Now do conservatives overall have a lower sort of reaction point to, care yes they do that is true that's accurate there's a lot of social science research to back that up but you know it doesn't make you a like i don't think that necessarily makes you a bad person and i think that because your moral values align differently than other people's like there's nothing empathetic or liberty driven about saying if you don't think the way that i do then you're stupid and dumb and can't be reasoned with like i don't want to be a part of that team either I appreciated the lecture porn article and I really appreciated your reaction to I don't know how to make you care about people, which I was very, very frustrated by because it is now conservatives aren't doing ourselves. I guess I still identify with that to some extent, any favors in the way that we talk about these issues. For me, I almost always want and we've talked about this a lot, the outcome that you want I worry about the government as the source of that, right? But it's not that I don't care about people. It's that I want to care about people in a way that's efficient and effective and that doesn't, in the long run, subject us to an authoritarian state. And that's complicated. And usually the right answer to these questions is going to be somewhere in between where someone who is looking to the government as the primary solution and someone who says the government should stay out of it you know, the, the right answer is for us is probably in the middle somewhere. And that's why I always like talking with you. I was reminded in looking at these two pieces and thinking about how much I enjoy a lot of what was highlighted as lecture porn. I love some Samantha Bee. I loved The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. I'm not so much there with Trevor Noah now, but I liked Jon Stewart, John Oliver a lot. I loved The West Wing. So I've indulged in some of this too. But I was thinking about this in connection with the NRA ad that just came out mm. with Dana Lash um, doing the conservative version of lecture porn, right? <laughs> the yeah. sort of, you know, they want to censor everything that we're about and they use their celebrities and their award shows. The attitude is always different. It's, mm -hmm. it's righteous in a completely different way. But it's super, super damaging to our discourse. And I think that... Unfortunately, these are the two spaces that most people are gravitating toward right now. And the thing is, you know, it's not just that I think I'm a better person because, you know, I don't want to watch Aaron Sorkin anymore. And I thought the news hour was super obnoxious. It's that I don't 
think it works. And I don't get anything from it anymore. You know, I watched a lot of years of The Daily Show. And I got a lot of nice little sort of oxytocin release from watching it. And I'm still sitting here with Donald Trump as president. So I just don't think it works. It's probably my biggest complaint is, there, like we said before on the show, like no manner of right social statistic meme or graph or it's just not going to change things. So you either meet people where they are and accept that this is a big, diverse country with people who feel differently about the level of care owed to refugees or immigrants, or you just keep betting your head against a wall. And I don't want to do that anymore. So to me, it's let's, you know, it's not just you do you, but accept where we are. You know, let other people be themselves and accept that that's the reality of this big, diverse, beautiful country that we call the United States of America, which now my patriotic fervor is increasing Beth. so maybe we should we should go ahead and compliment the other side so we can move on to the suit well i would love to do that before we do there's one more thing i want to say about this i have been thinking and thinking about this um it it is an it's from scripture but it's a more modern version of scripture that i heard last week don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking Mm. And I loved that. And later in the passage, it says that culture is always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, which yep. is exactly how the two extremes feel to me right now. And I think that the more we can stop and I have these moments, I tweeted about this, you know, when the president did this horrible thing with Mika Brzezinski, there were so many, frankly, really funny responses to it and riffs on it. And I kept finding myself like tempted to retweet some of them because I thought they were funny. And then I thought, Beth, this is not funny at all. And I don't want to be dragged down to kind of this level of immaturity. And I don't want to be part of making this perpetually worse. So for what that's worth, it's something that's been on my mind a lot. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Because don't forget what Richard Rohr says. Richard Rohr says culture always wins. Yes. Culture <laughs> always wins. Don't think you're immune. Don't think it's not powerful because culture always wins. Who are you complimenting for the other side this week, Beth? My patriotism is soaring about our secretaries of state. And mm -hmm. I am going to go with ours here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, Allison Lundergan Grimes. I thought her statement was completely appropriate in response to the president's sweeping and bizarre and hugely overreaching request for voter personal data. Can I just first say before I totally give it up to Allison Lonergan Grimes, where are they going to keep this data that we can have in any reasonable confidence is going to be safe? I am so confused about... I don't want anyone's data for any reason at this point in life, right? Because it's all so vulnerable. I can't imagine saying I want every American social security number, voting records, party registration. Anyway, I appreciated Secretary Grimes saying that she does not intend to release this data to the federal government. And here's her quote. The president created his election commission based on the false notion that voter fraud is a widespread issue. It is not. Indeed, despite bipartisan objections and a lack of authority, the president has repeatedly spread the lie that three to five million illegal votes were cast in the last election. Kentucky will not aid a commission that is at best a waste of taxpayer money and at worst an attempt to legitimize 
voter suppression efforts across the country. Well done, Secretary Grimes. So I will also compliment secretaries of state. Several Republican secretaries of state were like, nah, I don't think so. But Mississippi Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman got a lot of play. I know this doesn't exactly elevate our discourse, but he said they can go jump in the Gulf of Mexico and Mississippi is a great state to launch from. (laughs) And there was a lot of, you know, most of the particularly Republican secretaries of state were like, you know, this is federal intervention in our state's rights to conduct our elections. So that's enough. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. I am feeling patriotic, actually, because 
for a lot of reasons. One, like I said, I think that I'm just coming to a space in which I'm just, I'm going to, you know, we say to each other individually, you do you, but I'm just going to let America do America. And sometimes I'm not going to like the way that looks. Just like sometimes I don't like the way my children behave. But when you love something unconditionally, which I consider myself to love America unconditionally, then that's where you're going to be sometimes. And I think that it's so hard to be patriotic in that way. I think it's, you know, easier to be unquestionably patriotic and to sort of love it no matter what and to defend it no matter what. But I think sometimes it's better when you love something to ask the hard questions, but you know, sign up for painful answers just the same, I guess. It sounds like you're saying a version of hold on loosely. <laughs> and yeah. that's something yeah. that I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, after our conversation about healthcare, when I was like, let me just tell you everything I would do if I was in Congress. I was thinking about that and about how I worried that that would sound like Congress should sit down and write 10,000 pages in one bill. And so for our midweek Patreon supporters, we do a newsletter and I always do a little blurb in it that's called After the Episode that just gives you some thoughts. And my thought after the episode was this should still be done one issue at a time, which means it would take a long time and be difficult and messy and that most of it would not be what I want. And that's what democracy looks like. I was really frustrated by a New York Times piece today about how conservatives in Northern California are frustrated by the overwhelming majority of liberal voters in their state. There is a conversation to be had about the way districts are drawn in many places. There is a conversation to be had about the Electoral College. But America does not mean democracy is only working if everything goes my way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that attitude that democracy only works if it's my way has permeated our politics to a point that we don't know how to lose. And the reality is we should be losing a little every time because yeah. that's the only way we're going to get to something that reflects the big messy country that we are. Well, and here's the thing. So I just finished, I'm going to, that's where we're going to do a separate episode on our book club book. But I just finished The Righteous Mind, and he talks about that, yes, we are selfish people, but the transcendent moments in a person's life are always when you're sort of a part of the whole, and you're a piece of something bigger than yourself. And that is something to strive for and to protect our institutions and to be conservative about those institutions is important. And that's why we need both sides, because we need the side that says, wait, what about the person that's being oppressed? And we need the side that says, yes, but our group is held together by this. And that's important. And groups are important. And, you know, I find a lot of personal satisfaction in the group. It's probably one of the, you know, sort of why I look like a conservative on paper, because I find so much joy in the groups I'm a part of, sort of my family, Paducah. The community I have there, um, my church, and being an American and, and also being a Kentuckian. Like these groups that we formed, I find a great deal of blessing and just 
wonderful things in my life from being a part of the group that's called America. And I want to defend that. And I wanted me, if that means, you know, protecting people's rights to say things that I find upsetting or to, you know, engage over and over and again where it always only feels like you're ever losing, like you said, or, you know, just there's a lot to that. There's a lot to be lost and there's a lot to feel frustrated by when you're a part of a group. We all know that. But it's, you know, it's sort of like what we were talking about in the healthcare episode. But there's also so much to be gained. You know, there's that, when I always quote about the sister wives, like you're rubbing your rough edges off when you're rubbing up against people who are different than you. Because really none of us would be worthwhile if we just sat in our homes and never interacted with human beings and never had to risk the the pain and the frustration and the loss that comes with interacting with other human beings. But like, you know, so much to be gained as well. And so I think that that, you know, I think that has to be part of what it's like to be an American. You got to take the good with the bad and you have to take the, you know, Hamilton performances in Manhattan with the, you know, I don't know. Twinkies pro- on a stick. Fried yeah. Twinkies on a stick. Fried right? pro-gun <laughs> protest in rural Oregon. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. all a part of it. And, you know, my favorite part of Hamilton is America, you great unfinished symphony. That's what we are. You know, that's where what that's what we are. We're just, you, but it's not, it's not a symphony if you eliminate, you know, every instrument you don't like or every instrument that plays a different note in a different way than you do. And I think that's the beauty of this country. And that's what gets me all sort of proclaimed on July 4th is thinking about that and thinking about what all we have to offer and that E Pluribus Unum is a great idea. And I think that what makes me proud as an American is I think that we've gotten the closest um, to achieving it. And I'm proud of that. I think that we have this idea, all of us, and I think this is fairly unique to American culture, although I can't say that with certainty, that things get finished and Mm. then you just kind of cruise. Like, I think we believe that once you're an adult, you're going to behave a certain way and then you become an adult and you realize there are no adults. We're all still just kids trying to figure everything out as we go along and you're never going to reach this peak level of maturity whether, where you handle things as an adult would. It's, it's a constant exercise. And in organizations, you're never going to perfect your marketing strategy or your communication strategy or your hiring strategy. And America is the same way. And I think part of our issue sometimes as a country is that we think America is and now it should work for us. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. It's it's America is not like money that we put in the stock market that we like we earned it and now it should earn for us. That is not how this is going. And our founders work is unfinished work and will always be and we'll always be learning more and more about what e pluribus unum means. We'll always be figuring out 
how you have a true democratic republic, how you have an executive who is a co-equal to this giant Congress and this messy court system. All of these things were radical ideas when our country started, and they'll continue to be, and we're always going to be figuring them out. And I think we've got to remember that we can't take America and put it on cruise control and hope that something great comes of it, because that's just not how it works. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15.
So I was listening to On Being and Krista Tibbet was doing um, an interview with an artist and with a historian. And the historian was the woman who sort of exposed the Sally Hemings, Thomas Jefferson uh, family and affair to all of us. Sort of brought it out into the open and wrote this great book. And I think her name was Annette Gordon Lee. I think that's right. And she was really wonderful. And she was talking about Thomas Jefferson and she said, you know, Washington and Jefferson both understood the hypocrisy of slavery and they both understood that it was and particularly Washington was going to be an albatross around sort of the neck of the country. And she says, you know, you know, Jefferson knew he knew that this was a terrible thing. If for no other reason, clearly, then he was, you know, this there was this enslaved woman who was the mother of his many children so i think but she said you know with him he was obsessed with america that's all he thought about all the times all he wrote about he was obsessed with our form of government and we know now that it sort it took off it worked we launched we're here 200 years later but he didn't know that and he was just consumed with this idea and obsessed with could this work? How would it work? How can we make it work better? And I've sort of been on this very anti-Jefferson phase since Hamilton came out. And it really helped. She, you know, she kind of helped me to see like he was just a human being and he made mistakes. But that, you know, this was his driving force. And that's where he sort of how he gained the stature and how he became this sort of icon. But he was just a human being. But there, he also did contribute this sort of he did take so much of his life and dedicate it to this goal. And I just say that because, you know, what a perfect sort of way to think about America and to think about e pluribus unum and to think about that we are from anyone and it takes the Jeffersonians. And, well, I don't know if it takes, but the reality is it is composed of people who are obsessed with one thing, with dire consequences for other people in the perpetuation of slavery. But it also is composed of people obsessed with ending slavery and willing to sacrifice whatever it took to end that institution and who saw the, who saw the bigger picture and who saw that the institution Thomas Jefferson was obsessed with was, would be killed and would be, you know, infinitely harmed should the slavery continue. And it's just all these different pieces of the puzzle are so essential. And, you know, in David Brooks, The Road to Character, one of the things he talks about it, which I really loved, was, you know, part of character is dedicating yourself to a problem you know will not be solved in your lifetime. And it's like you said, like, America's never going to be solved. And the patriotic act as an American is saying, I'll sign up anyway. I'll be here, and I'll be a part of this, and I don't know how it's going to end, or if it will end, or if it will get better, or if it will get worse. But I'll do my part, and I will try to participate in this democratic experiment to the best of my abilities, um, knowing that I'm not going to have some great payoff, knowing that, you know, the whole country's not going to look at me FDR style and be like, you were right, good job. You know, like, that. that's just, that's what we all do. And that's, that's sort of the beauty of this experiment and the beauty of America is that we all sign up and we don't really know how the story ends, but... We want to be a part of it, and we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think that is 
a call for introspection on Independence Day. What is my role? What is my highest, best participation in our democracy? We encourage people often on the show and on social media to run for office, and that is important, and the the importance of it can't be overstated. There are those of us who aren't meant for that. And so what is our highest, best participation in our democracy? And there are tons of answers to that. And I think that's what always leaves me feeling patriotic, that there is a role for everyone. And some of for some of us, that means being school teachers. And for some of us, it means having nothing to do with public service in our profession, but being really informed consumers of news who can vote intelligently and persuade other people about issues. There are so many ways to be part of this sort of ongoing parade that that is the contribution to how a democratic republic works. That's what makes me feel really proud of our flag and our national identity, as complex as that national identity is. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. So in the hills, we'll talk about what's on our minds outside of politics. Sarah, I understand that you are in a van for this episode. So are you are you living the lake life still? Hashtag lake life. (laughs) Yep, still living the lake life. I am, yesterday we did, it was sort of nice. I did some uh, stand-up paddle boarding, which was really fun. But today it's been rainy. So I finished the book club book that I kept talking about all through the episode. And I took an hour and a half nap. So I'm living a different kind of lake life today, but it is still just as awesome. An hour and a half nap sounds luxurious. I slept so long I had a dream. Oh, that's so nice. So I'm going to talk quickly about something that I can uniquely bring to Pantsy Politics, which is a perspective on terrible reality television, because <laughs> the new season of Big Brother has started. And of course, my husband and I are watching. I mean, it's still going on. It still exists. That's a thing that still happens. I it's guess. a thing that still happens. I want to tell you that it's teaching me something important about myself. I cannot stand the person who is the first head of household in this year's Big Brother. He is he is kind of a self-described bro, right? And has connected nice. with the other bros in the house. And there is this macho thing happening among them. Now, I do not watch the live feeds. I only watch the produced shows that make it to television. So if you are a person who is watching the lives feed, lives feeds, I depend on our listener, Justin, for updates on this. Thank you, Justin. There may be a lot (laughs) at work here that I don't know. But from what I see in the show, I'm having this visceral reaction to this guy, which tells me that it obviously is not about this guy, but it is about this kind of persona that dismisses people who he finds different from him and who assumes that alpha males are going to be the leaders. Everything about it is driving me crazy. It's to the point where I don't know if I can enjoy the show anymore. And I told my husband, if he doesn't go soon, I'm not sure that I can stand it. And I recognize that that is insane. But I think it is. That's not insane. Life is too short to watch reality television with the people who cause you stress. Well, I agree. But I think the reason that it's causing me stress is obviously indicative of perhaps the conversation we were having back in the pearls of this episode about <laughs> sort of the tone that's being set nationally right now. I cannot stand it. Well, you know that I support you abandoning any and all bad reality television show. Um, 
or just television generally. I'm just not watching television right now. I am counting the seconds till Game of Thrones starts again, which is pretty soon. So then I'll be watching at least an hour of television a day. But if anybody has any sort of streaming recommendations of something that I just have to watch, bring it on because I got nothing right now. So I'm just not watching. Anything. You gotta watch. Um, you gotta watch the Scientology show that I told you about. Oh yeah, I might watch. I might watch the Leah Remini thing. I'll see if I can get that on my road. I will tell you though, we didn't talk about this when we talked about Morning Joe at the beginning. I used to watch Morning Joe every single day. Yeah, you used to be a big Morning Joe. I person. have really backed off of Morning Joe and almost all of my cable news. I have gotten to a point where I just don't find it as useful as podcast, and so I'm stacked up with podcasts now. And the dynamic of Morning Joe has just gotten weird for me and uncomfortable. And again, like I do enough weird and uncomfortable in life that I don't want it from my television. So I'm pretty much just watching Big Brother and the Scientology show right now. Well, if you have any recommendations for Beth and I TV wise, bring them on. Other than that, we always we have to thank our executive producers, my husband, Nicholas, Tracy and Leslie. You can follow us on social media or leave us a review on the Apple podcast app. And until Nick, And until Friday, keep it nuanced, y'all.